Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, for you that are new to the Scriptures, is towards the end of the New Testament. Hebrews, and right after that is James. But we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, just a moment. And uh, uh, for you that may be guests here, welcome. But uh, we are walking through what is known as the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed developed in the uh, 4th century. It was used in the 5th century. And many of you grew up in church where the Apostles' Creed was used. Uh, the Apostles' Creed uh, in many churches uh, was recited by somebody before they were baptized. The Apostles' Creed came out of uh, uh, providing a foundation for the church, but also to combat false teaching that existed. Now, Baptists through the generations have not been a creedal people. We call ourselves the people of the book. But So you may be wondering, why are we looking at the Apostles' Creed? The Apostles' Creed, we're not studying the Apostles' Creed to tell us what the Scriptures say. We're studying the Scriptures and, and using the Apostles' Creed as a guideline. We walked through it last week. We talked about uh, Jesus Christ. We talked about he was 100% God. Today, we're uh, doing the next line in the Apostles' Creed, and this is what that next line is uh, right here. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, and it's talking about Jesus. So if you have your copy of the Apostles' Creed in your Bible, that's where we are today. Last week, we talked about that he was 100% uh, God. Today we're going to talk about Jesus is 100% man. Now I know the mathematicians in the room are saying, Mark, when somebody says they give 110%, it just makes me sick because 100% is all you got. So you can't give 110%. So how can Jesus be 100% God and yet you're telling me today he's 100% man? I don't know. I, I just know the scriptures teach that and and, and through the generations, there have been uh, attacks within the church and saying, oh, this can't be. Jesus couldn't have been actually man because man's fallen and flawed and, and God is holy, so it can't happen. And I want you to know we stand on this. By faith, we stand on the fact that Jesus is 100% God, but yet we, we stand on the fact that he was also, he emptied himself, to become 100% man. So in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, we're going to be there and and uh, we're going to go into chapter 5 a little bit. But if you were to look at what's the big idea, Jesus is 100% man. And now right behind that, you may think, what's the big deal? Well, we're going to talk about what the big deal is uh, as we look at this. In uh 2010, on February the 7th, it was a Sunday, and it was Super Bowl Sunday, or Disciple Now weekend, Al, whatever we want to call it. Uh, but on February the 7th, 2010, there was a show that was uh, advertised that it was going to be shown after the Super Bowl. That show was a show called Undercover Boss. You uh, may remember this is the logo for Undercover Boss. 
And uh, the premise of the show is that the CEO or the, the leader in a company uh, goes into disguise and he goes to the lower tier jobs to uh, be among the people and to do the job that is there. The very first one in 2010 was a waste management in, uh, incorporated and they showed the CEO going down to do what is kind of the menial task, the lower level task that he did. And just so that he can be among the people, learn the way they are, learn what makes them tick, and to see what motivates them to do the work, and are they doing the work. And so, in other words, once you get to the CEO, you may forget what the lower level jobs are. And so that's what Undercover Boss is. But I want you to know, in 2010, Undercover Boss did not start. God did that uh, thousands of years ago when he sent Jesus to come to the lower levels to live among us. And so we, we want to look at that today. So Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, and we're going to go into chapter 5 a little bit. But remember, we're talking about this fact that Jesus is 100% man. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, He is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son today, I have begotten you, and... As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, And the perfect there is not that Jesus had to uh, be morally perfect or this kind of thing. It's talking about completed his purpose. The, The word here is a word of completion. So being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, a high priest... We don't have high priests in, in uh, 
our religious system, but the Jewish system had a high priest. One high priest, the original one was Aaron, and the role of the high priest was to represent God to men and to represent and to take the needs of man to God. He was the go-between, so to speak. And what he would do is one time a year, he was going to the most holy place, holy of holies, offer a sacrifice for the sins of men to God, and he would represent the people before God. Now, because he was fallen himself, he would have to offer sacrifices for his own sins before he went and offered uh, sins for the sins of the people. So he had to completely identify with God as the high priest, and he had to completely identify with uh, man as well. And he was appointed by the Father. You didn't, you didn't, um, uh, you didn't choose to run. I'm going to run for a high priest. I think I can do a better high priest than Aaron. I'm going to run for it. No, it was appointed to you to be that person. Now, what does it mean that Jesus was the uh, supreme high priest? Well, first of all, he was perfect. He didn't sin, so he didn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sin. He, but he could, he could represent men to God because he became a man. But he could represent God to the people as the perfect sacrifice. And he reigns now, and he is our advocate at the right hand of God the Father. And he longs for us. He completely sympathizes, according to the Scripture. He sympathizes with our weakness, and he has become that advocate for us because he cares so deeply for us, and he has been one with us becoming human. Now, I I thought about something about that, is that, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine today, we we can sympathize with. We can watch the videos and our hearts go out and we sympathize with what's going on in the Ukraine. The atrocities that the Russians are, are bringing upon the, the Ukrainian people. We feel that. However, you talk to somebody that now lives in the United States that grew up in the Ukraine. And you hear how their heart aches for their people. You see, there's a difference. We feel a little bit, but their hearts ache. What Jesus was able to do, because he came and dwelt among us, it says in John chapter 1, but his own didn't even recognize him. He came and lived among us so that now he is at the right hand of the Father, but yet he can feel a deeper wound of our pain in what we are going through. And you need to hang on to this, because some of you need to know today, and we're going to emphasize this, that Jesus can completely identify with what you're going through. Now, what I want to do just for a couple of minutes is is I want to look at the Scriptures and how is Jesus 100% man? And, And you may be thinking, it's not that big a deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And I want us to look at this a little bit. So there will be notes for you to jot down. But how do we know that Jesus was 100% man? First of all, Jesus had a lineage. Now, that may not be a big deal to you, but you have a family tree. 
Jesus had a family tree. We see it in Matthew chapter 1 and we see it in Luke chapter 3. We see the, the genealogy of Jesus. And that, that proves that he was a part of history, that he was part of the Jewish nation, that he was from the tribe of Judah. He was a historical man. You cannot doubt that Jesus existed on this planet and he, that he was here. In fact, he, his life so made a, a difference that we, uh, that when I was growing up, the, the calendar was set by BC, before Christ, and AD, which uh, did not stand for after death, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So we would have the calendar before Christ came and then in the year of our Lord. So this would be the year of our Lord, 2022. Now, I realize we've become secularized, so we got BCE before Common Era, and then you have the Common Era uh, uh, era out here. And so, uh, but I want you to know that Jesus was such a figure in all of the world history that the calendar is now set by him. And uh, we, we look at it that way. And, and when we look at his lineage, he had some characters and some rascals in his lineage, just like you do. And you may be that rascal. That people are looking at you and thinking, man, I can't believe he's in our family tree. And, and so Jesus had rascals. He, he, uh, but you read his lineage, and it was really uh, the many times when you read the scriptures, the role of women was uh, lowered and not elevated. Jesus really elevated the role of women. And in his lineage, we see ladies like uh, Bathsheba and Ruth and, and Tamar uh, that are in there in his lineage. And we see the incredible impact that they made there as well. And he was born in a Jewish family to the tribe of Judah. Let me tell you, this is what I'm saying. Jesus existed and history shows it. Second of all is this. Jesus had a physical body. He had a physical body. And, and we know in Isaiah 53 that there was nothing about his looks that attracted us to him. Isaiah 53, 2 says this, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he was not 6'4", six, 6'5", six, long, flowing, blonde locks like uh, Thor. He, he, was, he did not come that way. He came as just an ordinary guy. I mean, ordinary. There was nothing that would attract us to him physically. That's what the scriptures tell us. And so my mind, you know, starts to inflame, and this is, I, I, I just wonder, I wonder, was he tall? Uh, did he have a dark complexion? Did he have gaps in his beard? You know, he couldn't grow a full beard. Uh, did, he, did he have pimples as a, as a kid? Did he go through a gangly time as a youth and a growing spurt? Uh, did he smell after working hard and pl- uh, playing or, 
or whatever he did. I, I just wonder, uh, but I know he had a body. And I know his body had to go through the same things that our bodies go through. I do know that he got tired. He sat by a well and uh, he got tired. He got hungry and thirsty. He perspired. He bled. He walked and talked and slept. He died. He can completely identify with anything you're going through physically. He can identify. He, I know some of you preschool moms are exhausted. And uh, and you're thinking, can he identify with fatigue? Oh, man, he can. Can he identify with just the weaknesses of the body? Yeah, he can. Can he identify with hurting? Yeah, he can. He can identify with everything you're going through physically. So he had a lineage. He had a physical body. Here's a third one. Jesus had emotions and mental capabilities. Jesus had emotions and mental capabilities. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over his friend Lazarus, even though he was going to raise him from the dead in a few minutes. He, he wept because the people hurt so much. He got angry with the temple money changers, and he turned their tables over. And we think, well, he wasn't really angry. Oh, he was ticked. He was ticked. But there's different kinds of anger. There's selfish anger, and then there's righteous anger. And he was angry. He felt compassion for people wandering like sheep without a shepherd. He, he stressed greatly in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, stressed to the point of saying, God, if there's any other way, take this from me. And he's so stressed that he sweat drops of blood. He sensed loneliness. He sensed abandonment. He saw the need to get up early and spend time with the Father so that he could get strength for the day. I want you to know, some of you are going through emotional and mental crisis. I want you to know that Jesus can identify with what you're going through. He can identify. He's been lonely. He's had at times of abandonment where everybody left him and he was alone. He can identify with that. So he had a lineage. He had a body. He had a mind and emotions. But fourthly, Jesus faced temptation. And this is what we read in the Scriptures today. He's been tempted in every way that I've been tempted, but he was without sin. So, now, once again, y'all bear with my creative mind. I, I think, was he tempted to lie? I mean, you know, to tell Mary and Joseph a falsehood, was he tempted to lie? Was he tempted to lust? You know, when the lady was thrown out there, scantily clad, and she'd been Caught in adultery, was there a temptation to look at her with lust? Was he tempted to cuss or steal or skip synagogue? Was he tempted to eat a ham sandwich with bacon? You know, 
what was he tempted in these ways? You know, I I don't know. I don't know what the specific temptation was, but I know that he was tempted in every way that I have been tempted, but was without sin. So I have to believe that he was tempted in those areas. And I know that it's been arguments for for years and generations. Could Jesus really have, have sinned? Listen, I just know that the Scriptures teach me that in every way that I have been tempted, He has been tempted. But I want you to hear me. I believe that He was tempted in a greater way than I will ever be tempted, and He overcame. And and you, you may be saying, well, Mark, prove that to me. In Mark chapter 4, after He was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit thrust Him into the wilderness. He went out there uh, on a, uh, a retreat, prayer retreat. He was going to fast for 40 days. And so he's out there in the wilderness with, with the Father. And what happens is it says that Satan shows up to tempt him. And he tempts him to turn the stones into bread. He tempts him by giving him a, a, a view of the temple. If you jump off the pinnacle, the angels will catch you. And then he says, he shows him all the, the power of the, the vastness of kingdoms. And he said, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all of that. And, and we're thinking, okay, uh, I realize 40 days of tempting, you'd be hungry uh, and, and these kind of things. But let, let, me, let me take you deeper, okay? Let me take you a little bit deeper. That's way too shallow for... God in the flesh for the king of the universe. Jesus came for one reason. You ready for this? Jesus came to go to the cross. He came to go to the cross. And what Satan knew was that if he went to the cross, he was totally defeated. So his goal was to keep Jesus from the cross. So when he said, turn the stones to bread, if you just feed people, if you just give them what they want, then they'll follow you and you don't have to go to the cross. Or if you jump off the temple, give them a show, man. If you give them a show, they'll follow you. And you won't have to go to the cross. Listen, give them earthly kingdoms. Give them all the earthly stuff that they can get. And you won't have to go to the cross. Jesus knew He came to go to the cross. Can you see that huge temptation? And then the Bible says that Satan lost, left him for a more opportune time. And when did that time come? It came in the garden when Jesus is crying out, Father, if there's any other way, let it happen, but not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus was able to go to the cross. Oh, folks, that's a temptation you will never know. But he went. For you and me. 
oh man, he, he had a lineage, he had a body, he had a mind and emotions, and he faced temptation. So, so there was one writer that said, said it this way. He said, if we needed education, God would have sent a teacher. If we needed financial help, God would have sent a banker. If we needed technology, God would have sent tech support. If we needed laughter, God would have sent a comedian. If we needed a strong government, God would have sent a politician. Our greatest need was to be freed from our sin, so God sent a deliverer. You know, you may be saying, what's the big deal that he was 100% man? Let me tell you this, three quick things. If Jesus were 100% man, he has felt everything I could ever go through. You may be here today and you're thinking, I'm hurting, I'm suffering, I'm going through some pain. I want you to know Jesus understands and he can identify with your pain and your weakness and your struggles. And then I know that he has gone through it and gives me hope that I can overcome as well. Secondly, if Jesus were 100% man, his sacrifice was complete. There's no need for something to add to the sacrifice that he made. It's not Jesus plus going to church. It's not Jesus plus doing good deeds. It's not Jesus plus giving my money away. It is Jesus. And then what he does is he works through you to do those other things. His sacrifice is complete. You notice Jesus on the cross said this. He said, it is finished. And we're thinking, oh, is, is that like Porky Pig? That's all, folks? No. It, what it is, is it is finished was a word that meant paid in full. It was a business term, paid in full. So I want you to know that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, and it's full. He's waiting for you to come to Him because it's been paid in full. The debt has been paid. Third, if Jesus were 100% man, His Spirit inhabits us so that we can live out our purpose. His Spirit indwells us. The very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells in us. And His gifts enable and empower us to live godly lives and to fulfill our purpose. Are you suffering today? Physically, emotionally? He understands. Are you feeling rejected today? Everybody's rejected to you, abandoned you, you're lonely? He understands. Are you hurting today? Maybe it's not physical hurt. It's hurt feelings or hurt heart. I, I don't know. He understands. Are you grieving today? He understands. 
Are you lonely? He understands. Are you financially strapped? Believe me, He understands. Are you approaching death today? He understands. You didn't choose it. You're walking through it. But Jesus chose to go through it for us. And yet He came anyway. can't figure that out because he loves us. I end with this. In the 1870s, there was, mid-1800s, but there was a, a man by the name of Father Damien. Father Damien was a Catholic priest. He was young. And uh, he was looking for that place to serve. And he he went to Hawaii. Well, we all think, Lord, I feel called to, to go to Hawaii. But that's not the case. He went to the island of Molokai, and in the peninsula of the island there, it was the place that lepers were demanded to go. All lepers, there have been a leprosy outbreak, and so they quarantined them on this peninsula on the island of Molokai. And Father Damien went. He started caring for the people, loving these people. When he first went, the immorality was out of sight. The death was just putrid in the way that people would die. And so he brought sanity and he brought uh, uh, just cleanliness to what was going on. He started getting some medical help and uh, he was taking care of them. But one particular day, Father Damien drew a hot bath. He was going to just relax in a hot bath. He drew the water and he put his foot in the water and he noticed his foot got red and started to blister from the hot water, but he couldn't feel it. You see, that's what leprosy does. It, it uh, takes the extremities out because the nerve endings and you lose extremities. And he couldn't feel his foot anymore and couldn't feel the pain. And so Father Damien, it is said that, that uh, his ministry took off even more, but among the people, but this is what he said to them. He said, Oh, brethren, my fellow lepers, I am one of you now. Listen, Jesus became one of us. He became a brother with us so that he could pay the price for us because he loved us. And he cares today.